a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Ryan Meeks, and after years of trying to make life work as a struggling artist, independent filmmaker, and musician, I thought to myself, hey, self, wouldn't it be helpful to ask other artists how they're finding their path in this world? And so now, that's exactly what I'm doing on a bi-weekly basis. Welcome to the Path of Art. Welcome to the Path of Art. Today we have Joe Schaefer Layton. So Joe Schaefer Layton, she is uh, part of the. Uh, well, she's an author and a writer. Um, you've done screenplays yeah. and books. Mm-hmm. Is that am I correct yes, on that? Yes, that's correct. Okay, and tell me a little bit about this program that you're involved in. Um, so I help run a nonprofit that's been running in Utah for uh, about 14 years almost now. And it's called Writers Cubed, but it's best known for its once a year conference that we put on called Teen Author Boot Camp. Um, it, we have several programs other than that, but that's the one that's probably most widely known. And the whole idea is to support literacy for kids, especially in, in a time of screens. We're seeing this literacy crisis occurring even, you know, in our own country and we're needing people to start kids when they're young. So we have a book drop program where we give free books um, to marginalized kids, especially at Title I schools. We'll have an author come in and bring them free books and give them a little seminar that's like a pep talk. And um, they each get their own free signed book from the author. Um, Then we have the writing conference. We have webinars. We have um, curriculum that we've created for online classes that get kids excited about using their creative voice. And um, we use New York Times bestselling authors to teach these workshops and hang out with the kids and we give them publishing opportunities and over the years we've seen some of our kids grow up through the program and go on to be published authors too and it's just a really exciting beautiful program that we're so proud of and we've seen so much good um, come from it Um, so that's that's yeah it sounds like it's a a really helpful program it is i I really like the idea that's great yeah um so you're an author yourself i am so what are some of your most like known works i would say my trilogy um the stanley and hazel trilogy that's out right now um the first two books are out the third one will be out next spring and Mm -hmm. um so and that's a young adult series set in the 1930s during the great depression and there's a lot of big topics in it but also it's about a a girl and a boy you know a newsie from the wrong side of town (laughs) and a girl from a rich neighborhood and just the differences in the classes during the depression in america and then Mm. they find a dead body and all this exciting stuff happens so anyway Mm. all kinds of corruption (laughs) yeah very adventurous yes (laughs) (laughs) so that would also be your most recent work um yeah i would say so um i do have another um book that's coming out this fall that's not in the series um that will be coming out this fall i think september so but that's my most recent release yeah okay so who would you say are your biggest influences in your writing that one's really tough to answer because I was raised on all the classics because my mom, she had her master's degree in English literature. And so I grew up reading like 
all the cl- Henry James, like the deeper, like heavy literature. Um, mm-hmm. So I know there's a lot of influence in my core from all of that. And I, re- I read a lot of Hemingway. Um, I even read Tolstoy and this was as a teenager. So I think there's a lot of heavy influence from l- literature, but it's not necessarily going to translate into my books for kids as much. I think the foundation's there, but I, I very much try to speak to my audience. So I'm not, you know, carrying this heavy load onto children. But um, mm-hmm. I would say the classics, m- probably mostly more than style, it was their ability to express truth in interesting ways and deep themes. And I still try to do that even in my writing for for young people. And what about your screenwriting? What uh, known works in screenwriting have you worked on? So I've dabbled in some independent film and some for TV. I worked for BYU TV for a while, but I think probably my most notable, at least in my community, I did some work for the LDS Church recently. Um, They approached me and asked if I would help develop and then write um, a series for kids. And it ended up being the friend to friend. There are three episodes that I um, helped put together and then wrote the the, uh, the script for. And um, that was a really great experience. Um, it was something that it was a little different than what I'd done before, but I really enjoyed that process. Um, the other thing that I do that is probably pretty widely, um, widely viewed, at least in my community, is um, the Line Upon Line series that Living Scriptures has put out. And it's basically a synopsis of scripture study for the LDS Church, their Come Follow Me program. And we do these short summary sort of fun silly cartoony oh are those yeah the cartoons yeah i write yeah those. i've seen them yeah so, <laughs> oh that's great yeah so those are a lot of fun yeah okay very cool yeah my kids love those <laughs> <laughs> good awesome great um so in i want to touch on a little bit of screenwriting and uh, authorship so or or how would I say that? Not authorship, but like uh, uh-huh. book writing. Uh-huh. Novel writing, yeah. <laughs> Novel writing. Uh-huh. Yeah, there we go. Um, uh, does one influence the other? I would say so, but the approach is super different, obviously, because screenwriting is a, a visual medium. And so where in a novel, you have all this time to spend with your characters and to paint to scene and yeah, their, their thoughts. thoughts and all that stuff. You don't do that in a script. You, It's such a collaborative effort. You leave it up to the director and the guy doing the camera to tell the story also. And so you just, it's more like writing in bullet points in a way. Um, and the emphasis is more mm. on dialogue and the actual story, like the story arc. So it's, it's, it's a really different process, I would say, but, um, but it pulls on that same, part of your brain that wants to communicate to paint a picture for your audience. Um, It's just done in a slightly different way for film. And uh, do you often outline or I've heard this term called pantser. Pantser. Are are you a pantser or do you outline or is there somewhere in between? Yeah, so they the the two they say you're either plotter or pantser. So you write by the seat of your pants, or you plot everything out. And I'm a planter <laughs> because I kind of do both. So there is an in between. I, like, <laughs> I think there is because I and I think probably a lot of authors fall into this category. Actually, um, I like to have a general idea or structure, an outline of I know these where the beats are. Mm. These are the plot beats and what needs to happen here and somewhere in the middle. This kind of needs to 
happen and this is kind of how it's going to end. But then I like to take the journey with my characters um, and have it be flexible because sometimes they surprise you. Sometimes you get to a point in a book and you think this was going to happen and then you think they wouldn't say that at this part of the book. They wouldn't do that. They've changed. They've grown. And so it's a little different. They sometimes dictate what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, so I like to have the flexibility of allowing my characters to live and breathe a little bit yeah. um, within the loose parameters. Yeah. Um, I've noticed that that happens a lot, actually. I get to a point where uh, in, in my screenwriting, which is nothing, I just have a bunch of projects that I never finished. But um, <laughs> when I get to a point, I usually get stuck at those where I'm like, this isn't going to work. And then, so I got to rethink everything. Is there a trick mm -hmm. to get around that? I, you know, I think that that happens to everybody that does this kind of creative work where you kind of hit a wall. Sometimes they call it writer's block or mm -hmm. something where you think, okay, I've painted myself in a corner. And sometimes it does mean you need to dismantle and start over, which is painful and awful. It is very um, painful. But a lot of times, yeah, it's like you don't want to do that. It's like I put all this time, but sometimes it's what will serve the story mm -hmm. best. Like absolutely. You like knock down the structure you had, but keep the bits that have meaning and then use that, then then restructure that meaning in a way that is it's a better story and is more deliverable to your audience. Um, I would say what helps me is feedback. It's so important. It's, it's kind of a solitary endeavor to be a writer. You're alone in your room a lot, just typing and thinking and typing and thinking. So it really helps to have good, trusted friends that you can say, will you please read this and give me some feedback and tell me what's good about it, what isn't, what took you out of the story, what's hooking you into the story. Um, because sometimes they'll have insights that because you're in the fog of it, that you're not going to have unless you take a big break. Sometimes taking a break does it too. But because um, then it's almost like you are a different person reading it. <laughs> I've had that experience where I came back to a novel I wrote a few years ago and I'm like, wow, this is pretty good. And then, the, oh, this part doesn't know. You know what I mean? But it was almost like with fresh eyes. Mm -hmm. I didn't recognize it as my own almost. So I would say either take a break or make sure you have good people that you trust their opinion and they're going to be honest with you, read your stuff and give you feedback. That's good advice. So how does one navigate this industry of writing, whether it be in the film industry or in the novel industry? You know, it's really changing a lot, especially with novels. Um, you know, for the longest time, it was a certain way. You had to get an agent and then you had to go through this process of, of you know, the agent trying to sell it to one of the big five. And then they took most of everything. And you know what I mean? It, and there's still people who follow that path and can be really successful in that path. But now there's sort of this hybrid author opportunity where um, it's no longer considered if you if you self-publish, I haven't done it yet myself, but there, I have a lot of good friends who have self-published and who are very successful because they make sure that they have a really good product and they know how to market it. Um, so now there's so many different ways to get there. There's smaller presses that you can go through. There's self-publishing. You can go the traditional route. Um, there's just a lot more opportunity for your work to be seen. So it's like constantly changing and probably it's good that it is because there was a lot of, um, <laughs> in the traditional way, I think like so often happens with, with artists, 
um, the business people sort of, it's almost like indentured servitude <laughs> where they, they take the, uh, the author or the artist who can do this thing and pour their heart and soul and time into it. And then they go make a bunch of money on it and give a couple pennies to Oof. the artist. You know what I mean? And I think that's, that's been a problem probably Poor throughout time, but we're seeing a shift, um, with the writing world where people are starting to, you know, they're, recent things in the news of people saying, wait a minute. Yeah, there's another writer's <laughs> strike going yeah. on. Right, right, because basically saying, you know, you wouldn't even have a product if it weren't for what I'm doing and, you know, maybe mm -hmm. we should get treated better, you know, this kind of thing. So, you know, it's changing and growing. If, mm -hmm. if somebody, I, what my advice would be to somebody who wants to navigate that is to learn what the different roads are. Like if you're interested in self-publication, talk to someone who's done it successfully. If you're interested in the, in the traditional route, then talk to somebody who has done that successfully and just kind of learn. And, and then you don't have to stick with one. If you try one and you're like, I, I didn't like that, then be okay with yourself to shift gears and try something different. It really doesn't matter. We just have to get out of our own heads and realize it doesn't really matter how our stories get to other people. You know, it's just, just get them there. And would you say that it's, it's kind of part of who you know or what you know, or is it really just all hustle that kind of determines that outcome? I feel like it's a little bit of both, but there are people who get there on pure hustle. Like they're really mm. talented and they're really resilient. There's a ton of rejection, a ton of rejection in this in this line mm -hmm. of work. Um, and so you just keep on keeping on. But you also have to be flexible and learn when to shift gear and when to realize, well, you know, maybe the story I'm trying to sell isn't my best. Maybe I need to write another one and another one until I find the one that's going to be my first published book. Um, for me, I had written like three novels before my first novel was picked up. And so, um, just, just be flexible, but I think, yeah, some of it is hustle, but definitely it does not hurt to have connections. It does not hurt to know the business and people in the business who can give you good advice or even good like hookups, like, Hey, talk to this agent. I, I know they're looking for what you wrote, you know, the kinds of thing you're writing. So it doesn't hurt to have both. Mm -hmm. Um, but you can certainly get there on your own hustle if you're super resilient. <laughs> Yeah. And so what would you say about kind of like day-to-day -day life for, for just kind of, you know, the the average person, you know, they they have a job, you know, and they're trying to do this creative thing. And so uh, how would you say that balancing that works out? I think to stay in a fresh creative space, especially with something like writing, um, Sometimes it could be really hard to just sit down at a blank screen on your computer day after day, all day, and and be like, okay, be clever, be enlightened, <laughs> be articulate, you know. And it doesn't always flow in the way. So I think I think for me, what it looks like is I often get up and will um, work out a little bit because that helps the blood pump and your brain clear up. It really um, does. Right. And so, and it, and I think especially with creative and that's not always associated with creative types. You kind of imagine the, the writer hunkered over a typewriter with a cigarette <laughs> hanging out of their mouth all by themselves in a dark room, but, but it's, it's a lot, it's, it's probably a lot better if you're getting some sunshine and you're also finding time to read good books, um, to watch good movies, pay attention to why it's good. Like, what is that? What did that script do? that made this so good and so compelling. Um, so you want to kind of immerse yourself um, with good art, um, whether it be film 
or books and you want to have time each day to do a little bit of that. And then sometimes it's just the grind of sitting and like, okay, I don't feel inspired right now, but I know I need to have this many chapters written by the end of the week. So I'm just going to write. And there comes a point where you can kind of, it's going to be ugly writing for a minute and just kind of stilted. But you, if you push past that, you will hit the flow at some point. It's kind of like how people describe the runner's high at pressure. Like, and then you hit that. I, I don't get that, by the way. Running. I don't understand it. But, you know, I, yeah. I, that's the closest thing I know to compare it to is it'll feel like work. And then at some point, if you keep persisting, um, then you find yourself in the flow and then it'll get a little bit easier. And you just make a habit of that. And then it kind of trains your brain to be like, okay, this is the work part. And then this is the part that's fun, which is when you're in the flow and everything's coming to you. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. We'll be right back with Joe Schaefer Layton. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, welcome back to The Path of Art. We're here with uh, Joe Schaefer Layton. And uh, now we're going to move into just kind of your path, you know, how you got to where you are in writing and even on your uh, uh, your project with young writers. So um, let's start off with where did you get interested in writing? You know, I think that I remember it was, I think, second grade. I had a teacher who one of our projects was she wanted each of us to write a book with colored illustrations. And then she went and had them bound and that was it. <laughs> it was like, there was something about that holding a book that I, you know, and even though it was like in retrospect, I mean, it was probably, it was gosh, you know, 1980 or something. And she'd gotten some kind of like wallpaper that she lined a piece of cardboard and that was the cover, you know, it was like cheesy as heck, but like mm -hmm. there was something about holding a book and a story that I wrote was so exciting. And I think I was always kind of a natural storyteller. I remember, um, writing, I had notebooks full of ideas for stories and I loved reading books and I loved writing poetry. Um, and obviously that was fostered by my mother who was into literature. And so I was surrounded by really good literature. And so it, that definitely influenced me. I think, um, as I continued to grow up, uh, my English classes, I just sort of, my teachers would like literally have me on a separate curriculum. Everybody else would be reading this book and they would put me on like, oh, you're going to read Charles Dickens and you're going to write, you know, a two page essay where everybody else is doing this question and answer thing on a different book. And so I don't, and I don't know how that started, but that kind of followed me through high school where they always kind of had me doing something different than the rest of the class. Um, so I don't know. I think it was always kind of a part of me, even when I would babysit, um, I would create a D&D &D game for the kids I babysat where I would draw a map and I'd come up with a story behind it and like different things that they had to read at different times, like notes or books they would find and, and just putting together this full on experience where it was telling a story and they were getting to walk through that story and make decisions in that story. Um, 
I guess it's just always interested me to engage other people in a, in a story. And so um, I did that all through my childhood and teen years. And then I went to college and I was going to major in English and then I switched and then I ended up getting married kind of young and I dropped it for a while and then came back to it later. But I think my first book that I wrote, I was in my mid twenties and I just decided I'm going to write, I'm going to see what it's like to try to write not just a short story or a story, but like a novel. What would that look like? I've never, wow. I mean, I've heard people doing it. I wonder if I could do it. So I started working on a novel and I got through a rough draft that was kind of on the short end, but, you know, I showed a few people and they're like, wow, hey, this is kind of interesting. This could be good or, you know, that sort of thing. And I was like, well, that's gratifying. But I kept thinking it was just for myself, like, because I love doing this and maybe there's a few people that might look at it. But I, I just wasn't really in the mindset of writing it for someone else. And I wrote it a couple other stories, too, that started turning into, like, book length. And my little sister one day had read part of one and she said, why don't you try to get this published? And I was like, uh, no, that sounds like a whole thing. And that sounds really hard. And I don't think it does sound like a whole thing. And it it sounds hard. And so I just kind of blew it off as like, no, that's not a thing. But it kept going, playing in my head. And I was thinking, well, why not? Am I, am I afraid that it wouldn't happen? Am I avoiding it because it's maybe something I actually do want, but I, I don't want to fail at it. And I think a lot of times we tell ourselves we don't want something if we think we can't get it. Right. And so I really Mm -hmm. kind of examined myself and, you know, I thought, you know, she's right. Why not? Whatever. Let's try this. And so I ended up joining a writing group because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I've just been doing this by myself forever and got some really great friends from that who later um, helped found this nonprofit um, that I'm doing now because all of us in the group felt the same way where we love writing. How important is story, you know, to people um, and to be able to tell their stories and to express themselves and how they see the world and all these things that are so important about good communication and creative writing. We're like, wouldn't it have been cool if somebody had mentored us younger? So we're not sitting here in our thirties and forties starting to learn this stuff, but that we had been kind of taught this all along. And that's when teen author bootcamp was born (laughs) because we're like, there's young people out there who are, you know, creative and who are already writing, but they're just in their own little silo and they don't, they don't know there's other kids that are also doing this too. And we just thought, I bet there is. And we put on our first conference, which was about 125 kids on our first one. And I think Brandon Mole came and was our keynote speaker. And so, you know, it was a smaller conference, but once we did that, we realized there is really a thing for this. And so, um, you know, before COVID, our numbers were up to like close to a thousand. Um, the year of Brandon Sanderson, mm-hmm. we had almost a thousand teens that showed up and did that. And so, you know, our numbers have been lower since, and we're trying to turn that ship around um, because, you know, everything shut down in COVID and we lost a couple of years of like gathering new troops, but because um, they age out after mm-hmm. a certain age. But um, so, anyway, all that to say, that was all part of my writing journey. And it was somewhere in that gestational period of teen author boot camp and writers cubed and all those writing things that we were doing as a community and for young people that my first book was published and that kind of influenced what kind of books because I was with teens and mentoring teens I started writing two teens because I someday I think I'll write an adult novel but all my published novels are to teens and um 
And so that just kind of like unfolded in my path and I've just kind of kept doing it. And the screenwriting weirdly evolved out of that through first I was doing some little commercial type stuff for somebody. And then it turned into, it, it just kind of, that was not even an avenue I was pursuing. And I didn't realize I was going to end up doing that. And, um, then I did. And so it, you never know once you start that ball rolling where you decide I am going to actually do this. I'm not just going to play in my own sandbox. I'm going to actually do this. Then doors start opening that you didn't even know you were going to walk through, you know? And so it's kind of interesting to see what will happen with your creative opportunities when you just allow yourself to dream and allow yourself to go for it. That's some really good advice there. And uh, so when you got that first book authored or published, mm-hmm. so when you so when you published that first book, was that the first success that kind of drove you to do more? I mean, I think this is actually important for aspiring writers to know. The first book um, kind of fell into my lap in a weird way. I was working as a literary agent, and um, I was paired with one of the authors who had sold a book but wasn't able to finish it and had a bunch of notes and there was a deadline coming up so I was asked to co-author and so I did and it was released and my name's on the book and um it's not something that I'm like that's my baby you know because I felt like it was kind of someone else's baby but I had to make it work and I rewrote most of it and I had to kind of do whatever I did but also it 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 was exciting to see it come out and have a book in my hands um, and all of that. So there was that, but also, you know, the downside of this is sometimes you get into deals that are not great. Um, Really read your contracts, but even then they don't always keep their contracts. So that was something I ended up not getting paid for. And so I remember feeling like, well, that stinks, you know, but, but it, it did, it did still propel me forward in a way, like you're saying, because, um, it was like, well, hey, I, I have my first book out, so that's great. You know, I, I'm going to do it again, but this time it's not going to be with these people and it's going to be my own, you know? And so, so I think it was both. It was a cautionary tale and it was also um, something that propelled me forward as well. So what is one thing that you wish you knew before you moved into writing? As a writing as a career, um, maybe that success looks different to everybody. Um, I know that you know I have friends who are like amazingly um, successful at what they do and their household names, you know, this kind of thing. And then there's the quiet ones who who aren't so much, and they're just kind of plugging away doing their craft. And and it doesn't matter. Like I feel like what we try to let the young people know is the important part is that you're developing your, your critical thinking, your creative mind, you're learning to articulate story and say things that are important to you and don't get caught up in the other part of it. That's actually not the part that matters. Although it's great if it happens for you, but I think being given permission to not be famous, but still do what you love doing and, and have your own little corner of that world. Like you have your own little fans, you have your own little thing and that's okay. Um, you will quickly stop loving the process if you base it on anything else. 
Okay. That's good to know because it's kind of hard not to fall into that sometimes. Yes. Yes. It's very competitive. And I know a lot of um, successful authors who are not happy because there's always someone who's more successful or more successful and they feel frustrated. And it's like, you're doing great, but it's hard. It's hard when you're focused on the business end or the competition end. Um, you, mm. It loses you, the love of writing. So it's easy to lose it if it becomes like that. Was there a time that you may have lost it or things, or, or things seemed more difficult and so you weren't sure if it was going to work out? Sure. I, with my trilogy, it was actually recently re-released with a new publisher um, because the first publisher who released the first two books also went into breach of contract. It's a, it's a, it's a problem. <laughs> it's a problem. So but it seems to happen a it lot. It does. It does happen a lot and to a lot of people I know. And so it's, that's another reason why you can't get caught up in all that. You just have to be like, well, <laughs> okay. And I try to keep a good attitude about it because, um, it's not going to be like, oh, I'm going to feel this way when it happens and everything's going to line up and the stars are going to align and everything's going to go well. And now I'm a success. It, it, the path is, is not always going to go that way. Sometimes it will, but it's not always, but why are you doing it to remember? Why are you doing it? And so for a while after that second publisher turned out to be not awesome, um, I kind of put it to bed for a minute and that's when a lot of my screenwriting opportunities started coming up. And then I was just really focused on the programs of the nonprofit, getting um, more programs out to kids, the book drop programs new, some of these other things that we were doing um, took up a lot of my time. And I was just thinking, well, maybe that was it. You know, I, I have three published books. That's pretty great. And there's still people talking to me about it. And I get, you know, emails sometimes or comments on Amazon or whatever. Like, okay, fine. I did what I wanted to do. And maybe what my life's work is actually about helping kids find their voice and do their thing. And, and that's fine. You know, and I was pretty satisfied with that. I wasn't feeling bad about it. It was just kind of like, well, you know, time in a season, whatever. Um, but then when the opportunity came for me to, to have them republished with a new publisher that I'm more familiar with and that I'm, I don't have any kind of expectations other than they're going to do what they say they're going to do. And that's fine. That's good enough. You know, um, that I started feeling more like, Oh my gosh, well, I have this other book that I want to write. And I started getting excited about it again because I, I, that door was now reopened, but there was that time when I did shelve it. Um, Mm -hmm. because it looked like, well, I keep hitting these dead ends. So maybe I'll just put my energy somewhere else, but it came back around. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, taking a break is part of the creative process. I agree. I definitely agree with that. So, uh, well, what do you think are the most important things that uh, writers, artists need to do uh, in order to be successful with their material? I think I would encourage most artists and authors and people like that to educate themselves a little bit on the business end, even though it's not exciting. It's like the worst part. It's the worst part. And it can take, <laughs> suck all the joy out of everything that it you really do. It really does. It really does. <laughs> but I think go in, but inform yourself, you know, so it doesn't crush you. Um, inform yourself and then look it in the eyes and decide how you feel about it and then deal with that. Um, you don't want to go in to any of these of these things, whether it be film industry or anything with stars in your eyes, do not do that. Go in with your eyes open, realizing, Hey, I want to do creative things. The business people are going to get in my way. <laughs> sometimes they're going to facilitate and sometimes they're going to wreck it. 
it, you know, whatever, take it as it comes. Are you committed to the process? Are you committed to being a creative person? Then you just kind of keep doing it and you find your way to get your stuff out there. Um, does that make sense? I yeah, guess. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, th- with the illusion that we all kind of put up, you know, we, we kind of have this dream in our head and uh, we don't, Sometimes we don't think about the hard things like the business part. Right. And so I I agree. I think that that's an important side to learn, especially if you want to get past those things that start blocking you. Right. Yeah. So um, what is like one piece of advice that you would give to someone starting out? And maybe you give this to the kids in your boot camp, right? What, what is like the one main piece of advice that you, know, you would give to someone? This comes up a lot, like you said, because I, I'm mentoring young people who are aspiring to be writers and get published and all of that. Um, I, I tell them to educate themselves on how to do it well, um, because I think it's important that you hone a skill. You don't just throw spaghetti at the wall and expect the world to love it and think you're amazing and a genius. So actually learn the skills um, that it takes to be a good writer and practice, practice, practice. You're never going to like write a first draft and get it, get it picked up by a publisher. So learn to, like, I think it was Stephen King that said, kill your darlings. Like you take out the things that, oh, I'm so in love with that phrase or that sentence or that whole passage, but it slows down the plot and it, it kind of takes away from the main point. You, you learn to eliminate the things that are self-indulgent to, to a point to serve the, the story. Um, so learn your skills. Um, be as honest as you can. Don't try to mimic someone else unless you're doing a parody. Don't try to limit, you know, to, you want to make sure that you're saying things that are true to you, um, and make sense to you because it'll come across in the writing. It'll be more powerful if you believe what you're saying, even if it's fantasy, you have to believe what you're saying. Um, so I think that's a, that, that would be a couple of the things that I would say and the, and the whole, just be resilient. If you're really serious about this, then don't take it personally when people are like, this sucks. This is not great. You need to try again. Then just say, okay, I will. <laughs> Keep trying. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, what is next for you? Like what, what's next with the, your, your program and your writing? Do you have any uh, future books that you're just starting out now? Or I, um, I have a new book coming out this, this um, fall. Like I said, it's going to be called mm-hmm. Badlands and it's, loosely based on when I was 15 and I was set, (laughs) I was on one of those outward bounds um, for trouble teens and um, some of the people I met and the experiences I had, but then I took that and then I turned it into a thriller, like murder mystery. (laughs) So it's, I'm, I'm excited about it. I wrote it, you know, a while ago and then I brought it back out and started like messing with it. And then I showed my publisher and she's like, I like it. So I'm excited about that. That's coming out. And then the third installment of my trilogy, the following spring, so those are a couple of things that are coming out. I'm still doing the the cartoons for Come Follow Me. Um, and then as far as our writing program, we're doing an auction right now um, on all our social media, Teen Author Bootcamp. We're trying to raise money so we can continue to do this because COVID put us, you know, in a bad space. And we don't want to yeah. end. We don't want to suddenly mm-hmm. say all these wonderful things that we've been doing for kids for, for like 13, 14 years is, is about to stop because, you know, you know. And so, and I know COVID hurt a lot of, 
you know, smaller nonprofits and we're, we're in that category. So we're doing an auction right now um, to try to raise money and people like Brandon Sanderson, some other big authors have donated some pretty cool items to raise money. Um, and we're having a small teen author boot camp for the first time. Usually we have them in Provo, but we're having one this fall in Weber, a smaller version. Um, that's happening in November. And then our big one is happening in March at the Utah Valley Convention Center as normal. And so that's going to be a really fun one. We're having a lot of great authors come. So I'm keeping busy. There's a lot of good things happening. And I'm, I'm hoping to get involved in some more film work too. So it's awesome. been fun. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Joe. I really appreciate it. It's been really good talking to you. A lot of great information here. Uh, make sure that you uh, check out The Path of Art and uh, download our podcast if this is your first one. We have so many. We have like 20... I think this is our 22nd episode. So make sure that you check out our other episodes. We have so many great artists on that have come on and given great advice. Anyway, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you for listening to The Path of Art. If you or someone you know is creative and would like to tell your story, reach out to me at rmeeks at ksl.com. I might feature you on the show. If you liked our conversation, please make sure you follow the show and give us a five-star rating and review. It really does help people to discover the show. Also, make sure you follow The Path of Art podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.